the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. It's been nearly a decade since the Florida State Seminoles have defeated the Clemson Tigers. Clemson has won seven in a row dating back to 2015. In six of their past seven victories, Clemson was ranked number four or higher in the polls. This year, things are different. Clemson is unranked, and Florida State is number four in the nation. A victory by the Seminoles would further cement their place as one of the best teams in the country. A win by Clemson would bring the Tigers back into the conversation as a top team after a disappointing season-opening loss to Duke. Is this finally the year Florida State gets back in the win column against Clemson, or will the disappointment continue? To help break down this important ACC game, I welcome back Essen Kassim of the Tallahassee Democrat. Essen will look at the key matchups and share his inside knowledge on what to expect from this game. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Essen Kassim was just here a few weeks ago to share his expertise prior to Florida State's opener against LSU. He's back again as the Seminoles face yet another daunting opponent. Essen, long time no speak. How you doing, Tim? Glad to be on again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're going to be talking about an exciting game here in Clemson. I love the noon start, us editors and reporter types. We love the earlier games. I know fans like it a little bit later in the day. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you a little bit about what happened with Florida State and Boston College this past weekend, because Florida State comes out and Boston College goes on this nice drive. They score first. Really, I mean, the first half ended 17-10, but Boston College had, what was it, 11 penalties to Florida State's zero. And then Florida State looked like they controlled the game, and then the fourth quarter almost lose it. So why don't you were up there? Why don't you just take me through everything that happened and why this game was so close? Well, I mean, if I was going to cover a game like that, I'd want to go back to my original idea. But I thought that we should have 80, 80 mile per hour wins, torrential downpour, and both teams in the uni- similar uniforms. But that didn't happen, obviously. But um, just to have a complete mess out there. But that game turned out to be a mess, anyways. Um, it's something that um, Alex Atkins and um, Mike Norvell pointed out today is the first penalty happened when Florida State took that 31-10 lead where Keandre Jones got a um, – uh, for the first Florida State penalty, Keandre Jones got a personal foul penalty after a touchdown. And I don't know if it was like at that point, they said all five penalties that came against Florida State happened. They had a turnover after that. So it was kind of just a – I don't know, being up by 21, I think that's maybe when they were starting to look forward to Clemson a little bit. And just got too comfortable, and Boston College proved to be a team that's not going to go away. So that was interesting to see. Just um, and then it was just amazing. Like you know, Castellanos is a good quarterback. He's you know, I actually have the game on replay on ACC Network while I'm watching, <laughs> while I'm talking to you. But um, it was just um boneheaded plays by them. Of you know, like not closing the gap. Third and seventeen, fourth down, whatever. Um, third and fourth and two, they scored a touchdown. Just third downs and fourth downs, Florida State can not get off the field, which is interesting because that's been their strength so far this year, especially against LSU, as they were getting off the field on third down. In this game, they just could not find a way to get off the field. No, well, it's a good thing that they uh, were able to hold off that 
that uh, charge because, boy, this game coming up this weekend would then lose quite a bit of its luster. I mean, as it is, Clemson coming in 2-1 and one after a bizarre loss to Duke. So now let's look forward to that game because, you know, Clemson, they handled Florida Atlantic this past weekend and Charleston Southern the weekend before, but they lose 21-7 to Duke in just a sloppy game. So when you look at Clemson, what do you make of this team? I mean, um, their defense is still Clemson's defense. I, I'm not sure what to make of the offense. I mean, Will Shipley is really good, and Florida State is going to game plan for him as they've had great memories with him, you know, taking over games. Um, but I think they're still a dangerous team. I think, you know, the I think I keep going back to against Duke is they move the ball. At, they did move the ball at will. They just had uncharacteristic turnovers. Something Norvell pointed out today as well. He, I think he pointed out, he said that um, the first six quarters of the season, Clemson struggled, had like six turnovers. Since then, they've been a lot cleaner football. Obviously, they're not played the same quality of opponents as a, um, you know Duke, which is hilarious to say. But Duke has a quality football team. And um, I think this weekend could be interesting. I think after Saturday, I felt I, I don't know if it's an easy win for Florida State anymore. I don't even know if I can pick Florida State anymore. <laughs> Ooh, well, we're going to have to get to that in a minute. But before we start doing things like that, you know, let's let's talk about Clemson's first-year quarterback. He's got one of my favorite names of all of sports, Cade Klubnik. You know, it's it's just such a great football name. But, you know, he was mundane against Duke. He obviously had big games against their other two opponents. So when you look at last year's starter, who's now having himself a year for Oregon State, do you think he's an upgrade? And I'm avoiding saying the name, but I believe the— uh, the pronunciation is uh, DJ Ui Ungalale, but you know what? I looked it up on Google earlier, so let's hear what they have to say about last year's starter. Ui Ungalale. All right, they said it much better than I did, so uh, is he an upgrade? And uh, you want to try a shot at that name? Um, I will not take a shot at that name, <laughs> but um, he, um, I'm not sure if he's an upgrade over Ungalale. I, I decided to name anyways, but. Um, he is very talented. Um, Club Nick, that is, um, I think he's a better pure passer. He's a lot more athletic than people probably think he is. He can move the ball, you know, run the ball if he needs to and get out in space, which if I'm Dabble, I'm watching last week's game and just like, that's what I want to do a little bit, get him involved because Florida State cannot stop the quarterback run at all. And they had a little bit of struggle against Jane Daniels didn't do as much, but he still had a decent game running the ball. So I think that could be interesting. Um, but again, I think I was less impressed with the receivers than Klubnik. Like, I think he made some throws, but the receivers are not great getting separations. That's kind of want to see if they have improved and gotten better. Because I think the receivers are bigger issues the last couple of years where it comes into the quarterback play. All right. Well, we'll have to see. And uh, we're not going to let AI take our jobs because when you hear this, we I can't imagine Vern Lundquist saying it. You know, even though he's retired now, saying it that lightly, he had way too much life. So I don't think AI is going to be coming for any broadcaster jobs. Thank God. <laughs> so let's talk about those receivers you were just talking about. You know, they've got Bo Collins, Antonio Williams, uh, are probably their two top receivers. So uh, who who gets charged with trying to close those guys down, and what do they do well? I mean, I think it's probably be um, Fentrell Cypress's job. Um, he's looked, you know. As a cornerback, when you're on, like you, you either want to get all the interceptions and make your name that way, or you don't want to hear your name called at all. I think 
surprisingly, we haven't heard his name, which is probably a good thing for a cornerback. We have not heard his name too much because he's done a solid job on the outside. Probably see some Renardo Green on him. Um, yeah, those two corners, they defend well. They press well. They could play in space. They tackle well. They can take away, unless they haven't really faced a huge challenge with wide receivers. Um, they did a good job against um, the LSU receiver. It's slipping my mind right now. But um, they do a good job of covering and making, not giving up big catches, big plays, which I'm not sure the club's offense does that right now anyways for the receivers. Yeah, and how how would Florida State? How do you think they're going to handle Klubnik? You know, I didn't ask that question a minute ago. Do they? Is he somebody that they're going to be putting extra pressure on? Maybe bringing an extra extra man up to rush, or you know, what what do you think their strategy against him is going to be? I think they'll probably have an extra man in the box because of um, Shipley and what he's done in the past. So I could definitely see them trying to take away Shipley when then they're going to do some RPOs. So you're going to have an extra person in the box that's going to be assigned to Klubnik as well. So. I do think they're going to put a little more pressure on him, make him – I think you got to make him beat with you as a pass, make those receivers beat you with the pass, take away that run game is what my focus would be. Um, obviously, I'm not Norvell and uh, Fuller, so they might have a different strategy and they, they might be okay with the, them running the ball. Yeah, you know, Florida State, they did a really good job, especially in the first two games against the run. And aside from Shipley, you know, Phil Mafa is having a nice – year for Clemson. So they've really got two guys back there that can do some damage. So, you know, with that duo, um, I mean, I, I don't know a ton about them, but is one more of a pass catching back? Is one more of, you know, like the big bruising back? Or the, do they have similar roles? What do you know about the running backs there? If I'm know correctly, the second back is more of the bruiser. And um, Shipley's obviously the guy who kind of does a little bit of everything. So they complement each other well. And they're both Pretty physical, strong runners who can also get on space and, you know, make people miss and do things on the open field, which, you know, a running back that could do stuff in the open field is always dangerous because you could get a lot of yards after carry if you miss one tackle or miss an assignment. Yeah, certainly. And uh, is there anything else on the Clemson offense or anybody else we should be keeping an eye on aside from the players that we've just talked about? Not top of my head right now. All right, so let's uh, let's flip the script now. Start looking at the Florida State side of the ball. You know, Jordan Travis is obviously still having a really good year. So, do you know who's going to be, uh, you know, pressuring him? You know, how well has Clemson gotten to the quarterback, especially in the one hard game they played? You know, uh, Duke. It looks like they really didn't get at him very much. So, you know, talk a little bit about this defense and how they're going to be handling Jordan Travis. I mean, I think that thing with Jordan Travis is as much as he's improved as a passer, if you keep him contained and not let him roll out, you have better chance. They do have a few guys, you know, um, Jeremiah Trotter is a good player. Jalen Phillips plays safety as a sack. TJ Parker has a sack this year. Um, so they have a few guys that have been able to get to the quarterback. I think they only have like four sacks this year. So, but I think there are things to be getting pressure on Jordan, keeping, keeping and keeping him in the pocket. Because once Jordan Travis, as we've seen, with you know the Flor- Florida can tell us to it, and so can LSU. Once he gets out of pocket, he can make magic happen. Yeah, and when you look back at that Duke game, you know, and I'm looking at the box score right now, their quarterback really was only 17 for 33 for 175 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So it's not like he beat them. It was the ground game. They had three different running backs scoring touchdowns. One had 98 yards on eight carries. One had 63 yards on 11 carries. And one had 43 yards on a touchdown on eight carries. So you're looking at 
uh, 27 carries right there. So I imagine if Florida State learns anything and considering, you know, what they have at running back with Trey Benson, that that's probably how they're going to handle it. So, you know, has Clemson improved in that area? I, I know it's hard to say because of their last two opponents aren't that great, but, you know, um, I, I'm just curious, you know, what, what you see at them trying to do to either slow Benson or Travis, who can still run, even though he's been doing a lot better job throwing this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that could be interesting. Florida State could not get the uh, against a Boston College team that struggled to stop Holy Cross from running the ball. Florida State did not run the ball at all, um, run the ball well at all. You know, uh, Boston College was stacking people in the box. They're throwing different looks, exotic looks. So I kind of expect it from Clemson as well. I think the strategy how to beat Florida State or slow them down in the run game is kind of out there. And Florida State prefers to run the ball to set up everything else. So I think that's where it could get interesting is um, are they going to have a run game if they don't have a run game? Are they going to be able to stay in the field, or are they going to be able to keep away enough pressure away from Travis? I did not um, see enough, a bunch of holes being opened up last week by the offensive line for the running game. Yeah, and that's against, you know, obviously a team that's uh, much lesser competition, I would say, than Clemson, at least they normally are. You know, also, you, you had written a story in the last week about Johnny Wilson and some troubles he's been having, you know, their talented six foot seven wide receiver. So why don't you talk a little bit about what's been going on with him and what he's doing to improve on it? Yeah, um, it's kind of funny because during the during the um, fall and um, spring, Johnny Wilson was you know showing a lot of improvement catching the ball, was um, being more consistent catching the ball. There was a few things, few you know, few mental lapses from time to time, but um, overall he was doing a much better job catching the ball. And then flash flash forward to LSU, he had uh, a couple of drops against um, Southern Miss. He did not credit the drop, but there was a couple of balls he had in his arm that kind of. Just in his hands that fell down to the ground when he hit, made contact with the ground diving for a ball. So not drops per se, but balls he probably should still catch. Um, but then last game against um, Southern Mid- and against um, Boston College, he actually had a 100-yard receiving game again. I mean, he's that's the funny thing, is he's had 200-yard, two 100-yard receiving games, and people kind of said now in three games and one game without a catch. So people are kind of sounding alarms, but I think... It's just a concentration thing for him. Once and uh, I think once he got the yips, he kind of dropped a few. But he's been overall strong in catching balls. Yeah, and also talk about his uh, his wide receiver mate Keon Coleman, who had had you know giant games, obviously, but then this past week was non-existent. So what what happened with Keon Coleman? I think it looks like um, BC was like, we're not going to give him the chances this week. We're going to cover him up. I, I saw a lot less um, smartly from them one-on-one chances for Keon because against LSU was just like, oh, he's open. He's got one-on-one throw them all. Southern Miss, same thing. I think BC kind of like, we're not going to leave you on island anymore, the cornerback against Keon. That's going to be a losing proposition a lot of times. Um, So I think it's going to be one of those things we're going to see, you know, a week that Johnny Wilson's going to get shut out, a week Jaheim Bell's going to get shut out, a week that, um, you know, it's going to kind of flip with each week. Jordan Travis is really good at taking what the defense gives you. And last game, it was John, Johnny Wilson that was available, but not Keon as much. And Keon also had that muff punt, which probably didn't help. And uh, I mean, just it, when I say non-existent, when you look at the box score, he had one rush for two yards and he didn't even notch a catch, which is crazy to think after his first few weeks. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure that uh, 
Travis will probably be looking his way, but again, when you do have Johnny Wilson and a lot of the other talented guys, Jaheim Bell, and uh, you know, you've got plenty of offense to go around. So you're right. I think that uh, just some weeks, some people just uh, if they're not going, you know, there's not much you can do, right? Right, and I think that's a that's a great problem to have, right? It's like, oh, I didn't eat a ball this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yep, so this game's going to take place at noon at Clemson. So how much of an advantage will it be for the Tigers in Death Valley? Because that place gets, you know, it gets crazy. It can be hot. Don't really know what the weather's going to be like because there's also, a, you know, a tropical disturbance forming off of the coasts of Florida and Georgia. So just talk about, you know, uh, playing this game at noon in a hostile environment like that. There's another hurricane potentially impacting a Florida State game? I am shocked. <laughs> But no, um, I, the noon game was interesting. Talking to other people um, around the ACC, they're kind of shocked by the, this being a noon game as well. But ABC getting the slot obviously plays a huge factor into it. So I've never been to Death Valley. It's my first gen, so I'm excited to see what the environment's like. But I do think Clemson probably holds advantage, like you mentioned. It might be hotter. It's an earlier game. It's another true road game for Florida State uh, where they – Coming off a week that was probably emotional, more emotional than expected against Boston College. So I do think, the, I mean, obviously it's Death Valley, so Clemson holds a home field advantage. And they have the, you know, the um, mental advantage as well, having won over, like, you know, 10 straight, um, 7 straight over Florida State, including the last Florida State win coming in Clemson was in 2014. So I do think they hold that psychological advantage because until Florida State does, I think that's going to be in their heads a little bit as well. Oh, absolutely. And with 81,500 people expected for this game, you're probably not going to see a lot of garnet and gold. They'll be cloistered probably in an area there, but that is a lot of orange to go into. And now I'm going to do my best weatherman report because right now the 10-day outlook actually has it looking pretty nice in Clemson on Saturday with a high of 77 and a low of 59 Partly cloudy with an 8% chance of rain, 24% at night. So you may actually escape this one with a, you know, a light, cool breeze, not too hot. So, uh, you know, maybe that does. Uh, Florida State, they, they play in this death swelter heat of Florida all the time. That, that definitely could play to their advantage. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, that's true. Um, but now that you said 8% chance of rain or whatever it was, I'm expecting 100% chance just by the time we get there. <laughs> <laughs> How it usually it's- works, right? Yeah, isn't that always the way? <laughs> <laughs> it, usually with a the f- further out forecast, you look at the further off it is, right? <laughs> oh, sure. Yep, yep. So, you know, you nailed the FSU win prediction uh, a few weeks back on this podcast before they played LSU. And you said earlier, you're not sure who you're going to pick in this one. So, you know, you mentioned Clemson hasn't lost to FSU since 2014. And uh, aside from 2020, they've won pretty much every year since. 2020 was canceled for the pandemic. So is this the year the Knolls finally break through, or are you going to go with the opposing team in their home stadium? I'm going to pick um, – I'm 50-50 on this game still, but I'm going to go officially 27 Florida State, 24 Clemson. All righty. So you're still thinking the Knolls are going to pull this one out? Is this come down to a kick, or, or how are we going to wh- – what's the fourth quarter going to look like? Game-winning kick by Ryan Fitzgerald with about a minute 30 left is my prediction. All righty. Well, there you go. Well, so is there anything else about this particular game that you want to get in front of people? Um, not at this moment. I can't think of anything else. 
All right. What type of coverage should we expect this le- uh, week leading up to the Clemson game? Yeah, we'll have our usual stuff. Um, you know, I'm going to have a story later today about um, from Norvell's press conference. Um, Jack Williams will have a story on um, the, what the, kind of what the coordinators talked about. We'll have an opponent preview later this week. Um, talking to um, Christina Long um, from the um, Greenville paper, we're going to have um, some sort of roundtable, joint roundtable this week to help out with um, the preview of the game. And then me and Jack will have been doing a seminal script roundtable where we kind of have a video discussing the game. Then we just do a roundtable with predictions. I'm going to do a look back at the last few trips to Florida State to Clemson in the past few years and just break that down and see what went wrong and do an article on that to see what they got to fix to go to win this one. And do you know who was playing quarterback for the Seminoles the last time they actually beat Clemson? little trivia for you. That was Jameis, right? Actually, that is incorrect, my friend. I, I just researched this a couple of days ago. Jameis was suspended because this happened a couple of days after that incident where he was caught on video shouting obscenities on campus for some odd reason. So it was actually Sean McGuire who helped pull out an overtime victory. They won by six in overtime. Interesting. So there you go. A little, a little bit more fodder for you to write about later this week in, in the odd circumstances, because obviously the year before they won the national title with Jameis and they were actually number one in the nation when they won that game. Clemson was in the twenties that year, but another little nugget of trivia in six of the last seven victories, I believe it is for Clemson. They were ranked number four or higher. So Clemson has been, you know, really a top notch program until just, uh, you know, I don't want to say they're not top notch now, but you know they're they're just maybe down a little bit because they're still sorting out their quarterback situation. Right. Yeah. Definitely. That's um. They should be fine. Um. It's Clemson. It's Davo. Until they until they're gone, I think we we can't count them out. Yeah. And you know one of the things that surprises me about Dabo is how he talks about the transfer portal and he doesn't like to do that and all of that stuff. And of course, Florida State they had to kind of rebuild themselves through the transfer portal. Which kind of school of thought? I mean, I I think if the portal's there, you use it. You know, look at Colorado, what they've done. Heck, what's that one team? Was it North Texas, maybe, or Texas State that had like 48 or 50 people turned over and they pulled off a big upset earlier this season? So what do you think about that philosophy where Dabo, you know, kind of says, I, I don't like to use the transfer portal? Yeah, I think that's just shooting yourself in the foot, cutting the arm off of, you know, you got to use, I, I still think, you know, Florida State has done a good job of building their foundation through the portal, which is kind of different. But I think you need both to survive. Like, look at Nick Saban, look at Kirby Smart. They are recruiting well. They're going out of the portal using both. I think that's how you keep a top net. You got to use all the resources available. I don't understand how Dabble can be so against it when it's clearly the way to use it. Yeah, certainly. I agree. I was I was surprised when he was talking about that recently. So. Is there anything else you want to get in front of the audience before we go? I think we've had a great discussion. We've broken down both teams and the venue, the weather. So uh, are we leaving anything out? No, I'm just looking forward to that bye week right after. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, after the bye week, who do they have coming up after that? Virginia Tech, I believe. Is that one back in Tallahassee? That's back in Tallahassee. We get most of October in Tallahassee. So don't have to travel for a little while. There you go. It'll be nice to stay close to home. I know that you are traveling up to Boston College, and luckily that hurricane did stay away from you and kind of get sheared off off the coast there. But uh, 
you know, you never know. Like I said, we've got something working itself around uh, off the coast of Florida and Georgia right now. Who knows where that's going to go, and your 8% chance could go up real quick. So, you know, I, I wish you the best of luck in trying to avoid the weather. <laughs> in, in this part of the country at this time of the year, that's, um, you know, just a um, Lux game at this point, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, we can always find all of your great work at Tallahassee.com. And where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, my um, Twitter handle is at S-N, E-H-S-A-N, underscore Kassim, K-A-S-S-I-M. All right. And that that would be X, right? X, yeah. Sorry, X. <laughs> Still used to calling that X. All right. Well, we won't, uh, we won't hold you to the fire, but we will have you say this one more time. Ouyungle. Ouyungle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the fun tool to play with on Google. All right, Essen, it's been a really great conversation here. We look forward to following all of your coverage and seeing what Florida State can do against Clemson. And you guys got a lot of big games this year, so I know I'll be talking to you again real soon. Look forward to it. Thank you, Tim. And that will do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote ESPN personality and former FSU coach Lee Corso, the bigger, stronger, faster, and meaner my players are, the better I coach. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time. Yeah.